What's good, fam? It's your man, Norm, here. Are you following us on social media yet? If not, you may find us on all of the major social platforms such as Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and even LinkedIn. Find us at New Numa. That's P-N-E-U-P-N-E-U-M-A. From there, you may find myself and Justin and follow our personal accounts also. As you know, feedback helps everyone grow and we need your feedback. If you want to join our team, have suggestions on how we may improve, if you want to be interviewed by us, or if you have someone you would like for us to interview, please email us at new.numa.podcast at gmail.com. And last but not least, if you would like to see our podcast grow to that next level, you may also give financially to the cause whenever you feel like it by going to our anchor.fm page, clicking on the button that says support this podcast. We will greatly appreciate you sowing into the vision to help us spread the good news about the truth of God's kingdom worldwide. Thanks for your support and keep it locked right here. Simone Henry, the founder, CEO of Christian Jukebox and SA. Welcome to the show, Simone. I'm happy to be here. Thank you, Norman. You're welcome. I'm glad to have you on here. I mean, you know, it's interesting that I've known you for about seven years uh, or so. I think we met at the uh, the uh, CD release that show had uh, for his for his album that he came out with in um, 2010. And um, ever since then, it's like we would see each other at various events and stuff like that. And so it's like it's fitting that, you know, finally um, I'm able to get you onto the show and 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 uh, have people listen to your story and uh, talk about what you're doing today. So what's been going on lately? Well, lately I've been, um, you know, just getting more heavily into getting to know uh, gospel artists and what is what their pain points are, and what and trying to figure out how I can best help. That's mostly what I've been doing lately, um, you know, and then also trying to find time to hang out with friends, and do something fun. <laughs> yeah, well, we all need that time. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, um, when I first met you, um, you were concentrated on Christian jukebox. Right. And, um, you know, the one thing that I like to do with people is I like to find out about their story. Mm-hmm. So before we talk about Christian jukebox, I just want to back up a little bit and just talk about like let's talk about your life like where did you start out how did you because i know you're an immigrant you came you immigrated from another country can you talk about that experience um number one um your childhood and then the experience of immigrating to another country well actually i didn't immigrate to another country my parents did so i'm a first generation american my parents uh, immigrated here in the late 60s, early 70s, from Trinidad and Tobago. 
and uh, they landed. I think my mother actually started out here in the D.C. area and then um, ended up in New York. So that's where I was born in Brooklyn. And then um, and then they got divorced and my mom and I came to live here in D.C. And so I've been in the D.C. area all my life. Um, I've, I've had people ask me, well, if you were born in New York, why don't you have a New York accent? Well, when we left New York, I couldn't talk at the time. So that's why I don't have accent <laughs> um and so and then you know she had my sister and um you know and we've been the a little family ever since living here in the dc area i grew up in um i grew up in the church so i've always always been a church girl and um music has just been kind of the been a love of my life ever since i was small you know being in the children's choir from the age of, I think, seven, six or seven, something like that. Wow, that's interesting. I yeah. um, I actually share some of that background. I was singing mm-hmm. <laughs> at the age of nine. Um, my uncle formed a little choir, so to speak, out of myself, my sister, and two of my cousins. So we all, it happened to be two females, two males, so mm-hmm. we all, like, covered the the soprano altos tenor bass so to speak of <laughs> of a choir it was kind of fun oh, that's awesome. yeah <laughs> that's awesome. so tell me about this whole experience with you singing and everything like how was that growing up well it started well like i said in children's choir um you know because as a kid you know back in the day we used to spend all day at church and, um, you know, there would come a, a point in during the day when, you know, lunch is over and the parents are either cleaning up the kitchen um, and, the, and the fellowship hall and that kind of thing. And and in between that time and the afternoon program, there's nothing really much to do. The You know, the adults are sitting around just chit-chatting and talking and the kids are running around, you know, getting into trouble. So, you know, one day a lady came to us and said, okay, uh, either go sit with your parents or go, sit, you know, go in and rehearse with the choir because, you know, you can't be running around and getting into trouble. So that we decided sitting with the parents is boring. So we decided to join the choir. Um, you know, and then my mother has, my mother is a musical person. Um, she doesn't have any formal or professional training, but we, we always had music in our house. Um, my mother, her, her favorites were, you know, Calypso from, from back home in Trinidad, right? Um, so I grew up listening to that and then, you know, um, Sandy Patty, Lauren L. Harris and Whitney Houston, all these different people. Um, and then just imitating them really. And then, of course, in school, once once we joined the children's choir at church, then it was natural for me to graduate up to other choirs and groups and things. So, you know, I was in a singing group a few years ago. I've been in choirs, praise teams. I'm still on the praise team, one of my sister's praise teams at the church now. So um found out when I was in college, when I joined a community choir, that I was a, indeed a soprano. Um, didn't really know that I had been singing alto for the longest time. And I was like, you know, let me give it a try. Cause I feel like I can hit those notes. And I've been singing soprano ever since, um, in chancel choirs as well as gospel choirs. So, um, 
So that's that's been my mostly my experience in music, and then of course, you know, for my own personal listening, I listen to everything. I listen to country, jazz, uh, rock and roll, you know, gospel, traditional gospel, gospel jazz, holy hip hop, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I like it all. <laughs> yeah, so you sound eclectic like me. I'm very much into a lot of different genres of music. Um, because my my background as well was uh, in sing in uh, singing and also in in the band, so mm-hmm. yeah, I share that background. I understand that. So let me ask you this then: being that you have that musical background and all that kind of stuff, um, how did you, I guess, come to the place where you decided you wanted to uh, do the Christian radio show? Well, it actually started with um, a desire to have a download store. So that's what the ChristianJukebox.com was when I first launched it back in 2006. Um, when I was, I had just uh, left college and I was still, I was living on my own in an apartment in Baltimore and came home from work one day uh, and was checking my email. I got an email from my from my younger sister who at that point was um, was in Spain studying Spanish um, after and finishing up her Spanish degree after she had gotten a music degree um, over here in Alabama. Uh, so she was over there and being the being the consummate musician that he is, um, of course she let it be known that she's a that she's a professional. Um, and so of course they asked her to sing for a church program. And so um, the song she wanted to sing, they didn't know. So she emailed me to ask me if I could find the song and email it to her so that they, the musicians could get the chords. Well, I scoured the Internet and could not find a good version of this song, a good quality version of the song. And it, I don't know, it just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. There needs to be a place online where you can get good Christian music, good quality Christian music for, you know, um, you know, good price. And Apparently that must have been before before iTunes because I think there was anything else out there like it, um, and so that's what I set out to build. And so I built that, launched it in 2006. So that's that's what got me started on the journey. That was my beginning, and of course, from then until now, it, you know, the ChristianJukebox.com is no more. But um, you know, my new my new venture is is Eshe. So um, things have things have morphed and changed over the years, kind of going along with the times. Yeah, so I definitely understand that. And uh, that's interesting because I really didn't realize that that was before iTunes. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was uh, pretty much an innovative thing then. And you, um, you were on the cutting edge of something. Um, well, yeah, my my back. Well, another part of my background is technology. One of the things that my mother did when uh, when I was a kid, um, I think I was around ten years old. She sent me to a computer camp for the summer, and I fell in love with computers and programming and software. Um, so, so I used that skill to 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 build my own to build my own site. You know, so. Um, and I'm, I'm still doing that now. I built up, I built Eshe on my own. Wow. So, 
you know, I want to back up a little bit because I know that uh, obviously growing up, it wasn't as plain and simple as we moved from New York, we came to D.C., and, you know, and I grew up in the church. Mm-hmm. I know that there was a struggle. I know, especially being with a single mother and all that. Speak to that a little bit. Tell me about that that experience. Well, um, not sure how deep I should get without like bursting into tears or something. But um, growing up with a single parent is is tough, and you know, and it all depends on on your community and who you have, like what kind of support that single parent has, because sometimes, you know, sometimes growing up in the in the house with a single parent, um, it, you don't really feel it if that single parent has, you know, lots of friends who are willing to be there to support her or him and and those children. But then if that single parent doesn't have that kind of that kind of um support system, then it's it's very isolating and you know, and, and that, that affects not only that parent, but also the child or the children. So like in, in our case, my mother didn't have a lot of, a lot of support. I mean, she did have, like, you know, we had, we had good neighbors. One thing my mother was, was very good at was um, making friends with, with neighbors. So, you know, so we had neighbors who were, who were there to help out. But, you know, there are also times when she'd have to go to work for a few hours and we were small and, or she had to go shopping or go out for a few hours or whatever. And we were small and she didn't have money to, to um, have us go to the babysitter. She left us home alone. Um, You know, and she, she figured out how to, to put the chain on the door from outside of the door (laughs) You know, and we could never figure out. I guess wow. we were small enough at the time. We couldn't figure out how to get the chain off because, you know, being inquisitive <laughs> children, yeah. you know, we want to get the chain off and we want to go exploring because, you know, mom's not here. <laughs> so let's go do the stuff that we would do if she, yeah. you know, that she won't let us do. But we, could, we couldn't get the chain off, you know. Um, my sister and I, well, I actually have two sisters, so I grew up with one and uh, met the other one when I was, like, about to go off to college. So uh, my older sister was actually adopted. She was born in New York as well and then adopted by a family here in D.C. So, but we didn't, we never met her uh, until, you know, I was, like, 1920. So, um so yeah, so and and then it turns out that she has a has a music so powerful. Um this is amazing. Um so she has a lot of similarities uh with her between, you know, uh her personality is so weird. It's kind of like right smack in the middle between myself and my younger sister. Oh wow. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's a bit weird. So I mean, it was it was tough. It wasn't always easy. Um, but, but we came through it. Okay. There were things that, that I wish we had. I mean, I wish I had my father around. Actually, no, I'm going to say, I wish I had a father around, not my father. My father, it turns out was an alcoholic and abusive. Um, and one of the things that I love about my mother is that she is a strong person because when he started, uh, to abuse her when they were living in New York, 
She said, no, I am not going to deal with this. I did not leave Trinidad to come here and get beat up in my own home. So she put him out. Um, and that was one of the, the reasons for their divorce. So I'm so I'm thankful that she did that. So I did not grow up with that kind of a person in the house. Um, you know, my mother was strict and she spanked us, but not having that next, that, you know, higher level of abuse was. Um, and another thing that, um, that I love about my mother is that she is entrepreneurial and she has a strong, she has a strong desire to learn all she can and to have, and to have that personal development. Um, she's, you know, constantly reading books and listening to, you know, the great, the great personal development people. So like, you know, Jim Rohn and Bill and Peggy Britt and those, all these different people. And she fostered that, um, that entrepreneurial gene in me from a young age when she joined Amway and was starting bringing all these tapes home to listen to them. Um, you know, there's other things that I wish that I wish, you know, I had a um, and her being that we didn't have, like, you know, married couples usually opposites attract, right? And so, so you know, if one person has one person's weaknesses is another person's strength. So, you know, whatever flaws my mother had, there was no balance there to kind of, you know, to kind of um, balance that out. So, yeah. you know, so there's, there's always that. Um, and then I think one of the things, for me, that I decided young was that um, whatever kids I raised or had, I would have, I would be married first. Um, so I decided from a young because I had sickle cell anemia as well. So um, that was another, you know, when, um, you know, when I'm in pain, my mother has to be there to kind of help it, help me and soothe me. Um, so one of the one of the decisions I made when from a young age was that I would never actually have kids because I shouldn't we just don't have any more children with the disease. Um, some people say that that's you know, know that's my feeling, um, but you know that that was a that was another dynamic and I forgot where I was going with that. But um, oh yeah, so one of the so one of the decisions I made was not to have children out of my own body, but then um, I always wanted to raise kids, but I wanted to raise kids with a husband. So if I'm not, if I'm not married, I don't want to foster kids or adopt kids either. You know, I just don't want to be, I don't want any children of mine to grow up as a single parent, you know, yeah. uh, because I know what it's like and it's, it's tough. It's really, really tough. So and if I can prevent it, I must I most certainly will. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um so if it's not too much to ask about, what is the relationship like with your father now these days? Well, he So, um and I I met him. I was only really in his presence just a few times in my life. So, um I met him like two, three times in my life. And it was, it was the weirdest thing ever. And it was very, very emotional. Um, and it was just weird standing with this man who is, who basically encompasses like half of my genes, <laughs> you know, half of my DNA is like standing in front of me. 
You know, he was tall. I had his looks. It was just the weirdest thing. Um, and then, you know, and the dynamics between he and my mother at the time was really interesting because, you know, they didn't, because they hadn't been, um, you know, together all those years. Um, when they did get back together again, they were, they were chit chatting like old friends, you know, and it was, it was just the most, <laughs> it was just the weirdest thing ever. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't I didn't really get to know him know him very well. You know, I I did find out that he had other children. So he had like four sons older than me. I met the youngest. Um and you know, and he would tell me stories about my father. You know, and from his perspective, my father is like the most wonderful man you'd ever want to meet, just generous and giving and loving and you know anything you needed he'd give it to you so i mean and it 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 kind of it gives me the well i guess it reiterates that that notion that you know nobody is all bad and nobody's all good people have people have different sides to them so you know for when he was with my mother he was I don't know if it was stress or whatever was going on in his life at the time, but, you know, he would get angry and violent. Um, and apparently when I was born, he took one look at me and was not happy. I'm, I don't know what that was about necessarily. That's that's for him and God, I guess. I don't know if I'll find out one day. But um, but then with my brother, you know, my brother couldn't say a bad word about, about him. Wow. So um, where this because uh, I... I was wondering earlier when you were bringing up the other sister that was born in New York, but she became mm-hmm. like adopted or something. I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, uh, she was um, she was adopted as a baby. So, um, so she wasn't like your biological sister then. Yeah, she's my biological sister. So she has um, my mother gave birth to her. and She has um, a different father. Okay. So she's she's three years older than me. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, my mother gave her up for adoption. Yeah, I can imagine it was pretty tough with having three kids and no husband. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I guess my mother felt like she did what she, or maybe, like, at the time she felt like she couldn't, she had to get herself together uh-huh. before she could raise a child. Yeah. Um. And even me, she sent me to Trinidad for a couple of years while she while she took care of stuff and then brought me back. So what happened with the third sister? Didn't you say you had another sister? Yeah, I have a I have a younger sister who um she is four years younger than me. And she was born right here in D C. So as far as when you were sent to Trinidad, she wasn't born yet or something? No, she wasn't. So she was here when I got back. Oh, okay. Yep. Wow. So um, basically, I know that um, a lot of times struggle in one's life is what leads them to a place where they kind of either sink or swim. And and in a lot of times what the struggles are determine, you know, where a person goes in life. A lot of times that helps to catapult them so to speak into what it is that they do in the future 
So how do you feel that, um, you know, your struggles that you've faced as a child and stuff like that has uh, contributed to you, um, I guess, doing what you do now as and, and also um, having the drive to continue even when certain things have not gone the way you wanted them to go? You know, that's that's pretty interesting. Um, when I first had the idea for the Christian jukebox, I was actually hesitant. Um, I was questioning myself whether I should actually do it or not because I am I'm mostly an introvert. I can't say I'm an introvert all the time, but I am mostly an introvert. I grew up extremely shy. Um, there was there was a time when uh, I had I went to uh, my when I went to junior high school, and I didn't really talk to anybody for like two weeks straight because, um, you know, being shy. I guess I think the definition of, of shyness is really being afraid of people. And I was. I was in this new environment. Um, from that, from elementary school, you know, up to that point, I had only been in an all-black school all black schools well this school was more multicultural i had never been in a place where there were indian people and hispanic people and white people all to you know all together you know white teachers black teachers um i had never seen that before ever um plus you know it's just the whole new environment just and so i didn't talk and um so when when it came to starting the christian jukebox well, there, you know, there's that, that shyness that was a part of me. Then there was, um, and then, then my, I, my phlegmatic, the, the calm, the peaceful, the, the kind of want to just chill out and not do a whole lot. You know, I'm not a super disciplined person. So, you know, and I had read, I had read, you know, what people say about, oh, you know, if you want to start a business, uh, do you have what it takes to be an entrepreneur? Do you have these types of traits? And I'm looking down the list, and I'm like, oh, no, this is not me at all. Can I really do this? Um, and I can't remember what it was. I guess it was just, it was, you know what, do it. And I took a leap, really. I took a leap and said, okay, you know, I'm, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. I went to a pastor of my church, and I had him pray for me. I had two pastors pray for me, actually, um, because, you know, I had this, I had this, um, and, and my pastors knew me, uh, especially the youth pastor, because I worked with him on the, you know, the youth committee at church. They knew that I, have, I had this habit of not finishing what I started, you know, um, and so that's, and I went to them, I said, I need prayer. If I'm going to do this, I want to, I want to take it all the way, you know? Um, and it's, it's been up and down. It, it hasn't been, it hasn't been an easy road, but as time goes on, I am more and more committed. Um, sometimes like in all these years, I haven't really, I've made a little bit of money. I haven't made much money. And so, like, when I talk to accountants and different people, 
I tell them, well, I, I've got this glorified hobby on the side because that's basically what it is. That's what Dave Ramsey calls it when you're not making money. You have a business, but you're not making any money. It's a glorified hobby. But I don't want to let it go. I love it so much. I love hanging out with artists. I love learning about the music business and then and then giving that knowledge to others so that it helps them to grow and to move forward. Um you know, I I yeah, I can't really see myself doing anything else. You know, I've I've thought of quitting several times. And you know, if maybe if I had known it would be like this, maybe I wouldn't have started it in the first place. But now that I'm here, I'm not it's I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I'm most people anywhere. I think most people if they found out what they would go through to get where they're going, they wouldn't even want it. I mean, yeah. it's just the nature of the beast, so to speak. I mean, people just, uh, you know, like, you know, when you get a prophetic word, you don't know all the stuff you got to go through to fulfill that word. And if you did know, you probably wouldn't want the word. You probably right. say, that's okay. You can keep that. I don't want all that. But um, that's the whole yeah, thing about the process. It's not easy at all. It really isn't. So I know that um, you got a new venture um, called Ashe. So yeah. I want you to speak to that. Like, how did that, how did that become a thing that um, you started to focus on? Well, um, actually, it started with the ChristianJukebox.com because while I while I had this download store. conferences and hear about the struggles and the different things that people are going through. Um, I actually started building in the back end of the ChristianJewBox.com a membership portion where um, the artist could get access to resources that they needed. Um, and I, you know, I started building a database. And then uh, then I decided to shut down the ChristianJewBox.com because, you know, by that time, you know, uh, Amazon was out there, uh, eMusic, iTunes, of course, was the big, the big elephant in the room. Um, you know, and I would see artists who were on the ChristianJewBox.com, they would say, oh, you know, go buy my music on iTunes, Amazon, blah, 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 and then they would never mention the ChristianJewBox.com. Um, you know, and it, and I started to think, well, Maybe my product isn't differentiated enough where it's, where it's something that they feel like they have to have, um, because iTunes is meeting their needs for, for that digital download piece. So, so I, um, so I shut it down. Uh, and then, and I actually, and around that time, I actually, um, the hosting company that I was hosting my site on went out of business. So, and, you know, and they took, I couldn't get access to my database or anything anymore either. So, um, and I wasn't as savvy back then with doing backups as I am now. Um, so I did lose a lot of, a lot of my data, but, um, but I still had, you know, I kept a lot of emails and stuff. So I was, um, so I, do, I did still have that. Uh, but, and then also at the time we had, you know, 
enter social media so we can keep in touch with people, even if I don't have their email addresses. You know, there people are still out there that I can that I can uh, talk to and keep in touch with. Um, we launched CJB Radio, I think, in 2008. Uh, and so, you know, so we had people, um, you know, coming to us through the radio station. And so we had that going for a while. Um, and, but from, from the time I shut down the com until I, um, launched Eshe, you know, I was still seeing those pain points in artists and wanting to, you know, basically, you know, it's the issue all along, right? With their indie artists. And by the way, being an independent artist is not a bad thing. Some, some people think it's a bad thing. They don't want to call themselves independent. They want to say emerging. Uh, well, you can be an emerging artist and still be with a label, which means you're not independent. So, I mean, it, it's two different things to me. Being independent means you're not, you don't have that label support behind you. Um, even if you're with a small label, a small label doesn't have the kind of resources that a large label has. So essentially, you know, and they, they call those independent labels, you know, because they don't have the resources of, you know, million dollar budgets to, to put behind you for your studio work and for your imaging and for your, um, for your promotion and marketing and, you know, all that. So artists aren't getting the kind of A&R that they need. Um, and so that was, that was one of the things that, you know, I just, I just kept seeing all the time, just everywhere I go. I'm seeing independent artists who are super good on stage and they know how to engage that crowd on stage and they know how to sing their butts off. You know, they can hit the high notes and hit the low notes and everything in between, you know, and then when they get off the stage, they have no clue how to market themselves. They have no clue how to engage a fan base or build a fan base. Um, I, I once saw a woman, um, you know, styling yourself. I once saw a lady, at a showcase who, when she walked up front, my first thought was she's going to sound like Shirley Caesar because she kind of looked, she was that age. She, she just had that look about her. When she opened her mouth, she sounded more like Jill Scott. Um, kind of a neo soul jazzy type sound, you know, and I'm thinking, okay, wow, that's confusing, <laughs> you know. Um, so, you know, I see artists like that who have who have a certain type of sound, but then their look says something else altogether, you know. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so just things like that. Um, or artists who are really great at marketing themselves, but their vocals need tuning. And, um, you know, just the musicality is an isn't always great or they write awesome songs and they think that they need to sing all their songs, but they really don't because their singing ability doesn't match how great this song is, you know? Um, and so maybe their best, their best 
for being in the music industry is to be a songwriter for other artists, you know, and there is absolutely no shame in that. Just because God has given you a message for the people or you want to tell your story um, doesn't mean that you absolutely have to be the person to sing it, you know? That's interesting. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's making me think of a secular artist, really. Um, there's a song I really like by Sia called Alive. And, you know, when she sings this song and you hear the cracks in her voice and all that stuff, it makes you think that she is really singing her truth. Like, oh, my goodness, this is her story. But then I read the credits, and, I, and it says it was written by Adele. It was written by her and Adele. Her and Adele wrote this song together. This is Adele's life story. But Adele didn't want to record the song. She rejected the song. So Sia put it on her album. Hmm. And the song goes, I don't know how, you know how many it's sold, but it's a, very, it's a popular song. Um, and the person singing it, it's not her story. It's someone else's story. Wow. It can be done. Just because, um, you know, not to say that Adele couldn't have sung it because, you know, she's, she's a, a, a good singer in her own right. But, you know, there's lots of artists out there who want to put their, they want to tell their story. They want to tell their testimony. Um, they want to put the message out there that God has given them. But they may not be the absolute right vessel yeah. to to put the song out there. It's kind of, yeah. It's kind of interesting um, because you're talking about something that I've been talking about for years with artists where some of them, they might be anointed to write, but they don't have the, the voice to sing what they're writing about. Exactly. Um, or they don't have the musical, um, they don't have the background music that really either goes with what they're doing or that has a quality that they need for what they're doing. So right. it's like um, that's been one of my biggest frustrations with Christian hip-hop um, because I, I have a special, um, uh, I guess you could say, a special affinity towards Christian hip-hop, being that I'm a poet and I'm all mm -hmm. about lyrics. You know, mm -hmm. that's something that is big to me. Like the lyrical content of a song is really big. So one of the things that I've been, you know, trying to, and it's kind of like the same of what you're talking about. Like I've been trying to figure out how do I, you know, get artists to realize sometimes that, okay, I see where you could go with this. However, you don't have the lyrical content that you need for what you're trying to do, or you don't have the stage presence, or you don't have the look, or you don't have the, no, whatever. It's always it's something that can be adjusted without right. them thinking um, it's an attack on them or it's a you know right. a bash on their whole whatever. Because some people they just they need a little bit of coaching. They need a little direction exactly. on how to do exactly. some things better. So that's not like what you're doing as well. So um, I know that Sha basically is um, your new baby. And uh just wanted you to talk about that a little bit. First of all, what does the word S-A mean? S-A is a Middle English word. It means everlasting, perpetual, eternal. Uh, and it's, it's actually a word 
that originally I don't know what the pronunciation is supposed to be, so I just decided to pronounce it Eshe because I think it sounds very chic and upmarket. And uh, since nobody knows how it's supposed to be pronounced, then I can define it myself. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Uh, Yeah, a friend of mine um, actually helped me helped me uh, find that word, and uh, so I am grateful to Calvin Chappelle for doing that. Um, And basically, so Esche started out as a place for artists to get resources, where companies who who have uh, services to offer to artists can sign up and uh and post their services on Eshe, you know, if you sell instruments, if you sell um if you sell vocal training or 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 if you're an image consultant, if you have a studio and, you know, have openings for recordings, recording sessions. Uh, all of those can can go on Eshe, and it's um, and it's a place where artists can find find what they need. Also, it is a place where artists can post their music and have it available just out there in in the public eye. Um, because uh, when you post your music, it's open for anybody who visits the site to come and listen. And people who listen can actually rate your song, whether they like it or not. And, you know, and that goes into our, you know, the highest ratings go into our top top 10 list, top 20 list. Uh, also, um, artists who, who post their music on the site can have that music submitted to the radio stations in our network. And a lot of times when an artist says to me, oh, you have radio stations in your network, that means I can get played on Praise 104, right? No, that's not what that means. It means the stations that we have in our network are stations that actually want independent gospel music or independent Christian music uh, because stations like, you know, your big – your big, um, you know, syndicated radio shows and radio stations – those don't necessarily want independent music, so they're not in our in our network. The stations in our network are smaller stations across the country that are seeking independent music, that actually want to play independent music. You don't have to fight tooth and nail to get your song played on their stations. So those are the stations that are on in our network. Um, what else? So, you know, so there's that. And then, you know, um, and then, of course, I started putting out resources for artists and, and gathering tips and, and information just to help them grow their businesses and then decided to put all of that into um, into what I'm, I'm calling the Eshe Musicpreneur Academy. And what the academy is, not well, you get access to all of the stuff that I said before, the radio, the, the, um, the music discovery and the resources, uh, those um, vendors and products and services. But also I'm doing a course, a three-part course, where uh, where I'm going to teach about identity, uh, building your fan base and engaging your fans, and making money with your music. And so that's going to be live coaching twice twice a month. And... Um, so that's that's what the the academy will consist of, um, along with 
you know, along with um, a community of artists to to help and keep keep you accountable, keep you uplifted, give you that support that you need. We all need one of the things that um, I felt missing a lot in my growing up years um, was that was that support system. Um, and that's so I want to create that for artists. I have a support system now, and I'm so thankful for them. You know, I can always call up somebody in my group and say, hey, I need help on, on this or that or the other thing. Um, you know, and I think artists need that as well. One of the things that, um, I'm, you know, other people have, have these, um, you know, classes and workshops and different things like that. Uh, but I think what's missing from them is the community aspect. And so, so that's what I am creating with the SJ Musicpreneur Academy. So not only do you get live coaching from me, but also support accountability. And, um, and then when you have successes, there'll be people there to celebrate your successes as well in, in that group dynamic. So, so can you, um, I wanted to hear about what's this? You were talking about identity. Are you talking about um, them knowing who they are in Christ? Or are you talking about like who they are as an artist and how does that look? I mean, who they are as an artist. Okay. Now, as I mean, we can talk about that, but that's not talk about who they are in Christ. But that's not necessarily a a, a part of the of the course. But I I will have my courses will be um, an hour and a half long, so the first forty five minutes will be the lesson, and then after that will be Q and A, and open discussion. So we can talk about who we are in Christ. But uh, as far as the course goes, we're talking about identity and branding as an artist because that's what they need in order to really engage their fans. You know, because if you don't know who you are as an artist and what message you want to portray, it's it's hard to put that message out there to your fans. Um, uh, one of the things that a lot of artists say when they first start out is that, their music is for everyone. That's not true. Your music is not for everyone. Everyone is not going to like what you, is not going to like your message or the way you you portray yourself or the way you, you know, the way you um, you carry yourself out there in the world. Not everybody. Not everybody likes the same styles of music. So your music isn't for everyone. So we're we're going to help, we help artists to figure out how how to craft their message and how to and then how to brand themselves so that they attract the people who will most likely be open to their style and their message. That's good. I'm glad that uh someone else is thinking along those lines cuz I've been thinking about that for a long time and um and I've done a little bit of mentoring here and there trying to help artists uh, but yeah, I, I think that's definitely needed. I know it's needed. Um, one thing that uh, I think that with the Christian world, that's kind of a little—it's almost like a little touchy. But um, it's this whole thing of trying to tell people, listen, you—you you don't have what it takes. Um, 
you need to just stop doing that. That's not your gift. That's not your anointing or whatever. I know that you think that that's what you should be doing or you want to do it or whatever, but that's not where it is. How do you think that um, what you're doing with SHA will help people to navigate through that um, in such a way where they will kind of, I guess, discover what it is they really should be doing? I think by going through the process, um, it's kind of like, you know, like when you're in college and you're taking classes. Say you're in a major, you're in a business major, and, you know, up until you get to accounting, your classes are fine. You're, you know, okay, I can do this business thing, you know. Then you get to accounting and finance, and it's just kicking you in the behind, and you can't stand it, and you can't even imagine living your life this way any longer. <laughs> and you realize, you know what? I want to do this. I want to do something else entirely, <laughs> you know. So I, it'll, it'll be kind of like that, you know. If as you go along and as you're you're going through the steps and each lesson, you know, brings you to the next level, um, every time, you're, you, you know, you have to ask yourself, okay, is this still what I want to do? Yeah, I know this is part of, because a lot of artists, I guess, you know, part of what the reason why they want to be an artist is because um, they have songwriting skills or they can sing or they can play, and they just want to be out there singing and playing and, you know, but but then it then it hits them. That's not all there is to being an artist. You know, there's business involved. There's money involved. There's, you know, um, going out there and getting fans and being nice to people and <laughs> networking and um, getting gigs and that kind of thing. Um, so along the way, they have to they have to decide: Is this okay? As we continue going further in this, is this what I want to do? That's not something that somebody else can tell them. At least I don't think so. Okay. You know, well. that's that's something that they have to figure out for themselves as they learn more and more about it. So I'll tell you like this. I mean, I understand what you're saying, but mm -hmm. I feel like with a lot of these um, artists, especially when I listen to, well, let me tell you like this. So there are artists that we call local artists. And mainly mm -hmm. what we're really saying is they haven't gotten known outside of their city or their local community yet, right. really. But the point is, is that um, a lot of times what I find with these local artists is mm -hmm. that the reason why they're local is because a lot of them are not polished. They're either not polished, they really shouldn't mm -hmm. be doing the music that they're doing at all because they're not good at it. Mm -hmm. Or they just um, they haven't um, learned how to, like you said, market this stuff, market themselves mm -hmm. or whatever. Because I've heard artists that have great music, and they could have been, they should have been out there like known all over the world by now, but because they're not packaging it the right way, or not marketing themselves, or not engaging with the artists or rather rather their fans or whatever, then they're not able to get that push out there. But going back to the local artists that 
really just shouldn't be doing it at all. What I find very frustrating, and I specifically find this with more so rappers than necessarily singers. Sometimes with mm-hmm. singers, it's a little bit the same, but mostly I find this with rappers because a lot of guys or people that are doing rap, hip-hop, they actually, it's almost like they think more highly of themselves than they ought to, to be honest. And mm-hmm. they out there, like, you know, they want to be talk, pushing their music and talking all this stuff, and, and they think that... um uh it's almost like in their mind, they really think that it's good quality, it seems. But yet, you listen to it, and this is me as a person that I know music just like you know music. So when I'm listening to it, I'm getting frustrated because I'm like, where? who told you that this was good? Who told right. you that this was quality or polished or, or whatever, that your lyrics was whatever, however they they think about it? Because somebody's lying to them and making them continue to go down a path where it's not producing the fruit because they really don't produce the quality that in their minds they think that they have. And so my thing is the balance of, you know, um, trying to help that person to either say, listen, I need to step up my game. I mean, in my mind, I'm like, listen to people that's already out there. Are you thinking you're on that level? If you're not feeling like you're on that level, then that definitely means you need to improve. Mm-hmm. And so the thing is, it's like, it's almost like the people who listen to it decide what's actually quality or not. And so anyway, I'm saying all that to say that um, I believe that what you're doing is, is definitely necessary. Um, however, I was also trying to say that I believe that somewhere along the line, someone needs to tell them, listen, stop doing this. You're not doing it the way it should be done. You're not going to go but so far with this. You're not going to, you know, attain what it is you think you're going to attain because the bottom line is you're not on a level of quality with lyrical content and music, musicality, all that kind of stuff where people are going to want to listen to this. It does right. not sound ready for any kind of system at all, radio otherwise. So it's like finding that balance of how to say that to a person, how to get them to recognize that, and not just uh, kind of leave them on their own to figure it out. Because I feel like a lot of artists, the problem is they are left on their own to figure it out. And nobody's telling them directly, this is not what you're gifted at. And I'll, if you were to, if you were to actually be open to hearing about this, then I will be able to help you to get better if this is really your anointing. Because the anointing on a person is not just about God just, you know, giving them a certain ability. It's also about the skill level and I tell people all the time, the Bible says that when people were building the temple, uh, the tabernacle of Moses, those are people who were skilled at what they did. So you have to be skilled at it to really be, you know, to consider yourself to be, you know, able and, um, what's the word, qualified to do it, you know. So anyway, um, so I, I just want to I want to touch on something else. What is it that because I see the I see the vision of Eshe, and I like it. I really do. 
I really believe is needed, it's necessary. Um, what is it that is exciting you about 2018? What is it that you're looking forward to with SJA and beyond? I am looking forward to helping more artists and and building a community of artists. Hello? Uh Uh-oh. Did I lose you? I'm still here. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I can hear you now. Sorry about that. Okay. Um, Right. I was saying I am excited about helping more artists and uh, building a community of of artists who are there for each other and helping each other. Um, And, yeah, so that's what I am excited about for for 2018. Um, I really want to see it come to fruition. I want to see it happen. Um, That that group dynamic has been super helpful for me, and I know it will be helpful for others. I see artists out there by themselves kind of floundering, when they don't have to, you know, there's there's people out there who have been doing it longer than they have that can help them out, and then the things that they learn, they can turn around and help somebody else. You know, it doesn't. No one has to do this alone. Um, and then, but as you were saying, you know, there's all these there's all these artists out there who maybe don't have don't have the necessary skills that they need, um, and are just kind of out there by themselves thinking that they're the cream of the crop when they're, when they're not, you know, that group dynamic could help them out with that. It could, as long as they are willing to listen. Now see, you know, that's a, and that's a personal, that's a personal character trait right there is being willing to, to listen to others and not, and not think that, well, because maybe God gave you a, a gift to play or God gave you a gift to sing or to rap, um, that that's all that's needed and that you need no more training from there on out. You know, you have an anointing and, and you can kind of just run and go with it. Um, that's one of the things that um, frustrates me a lot about working with Christian artists is that um, I think a lot of them do feel like, well, God gave them a gift and that's it. That's all they need. Well, you know, God called David too, but he didn't get to sit on the throne for another, I don't know how many years. Um, he had to be trained. You know, he will call you, but then he also has to train you and equip you, you know. So there, there is no instant anointing and then top of the mountain experience for anyone. We all have to be learning every day. True, indeed. So um, I'm glad that uh, we were able to get you on here today. Um, Simone, why don't you tell people how they can, you know, either follow you on uh, social media, get in contact with you, get to your website, stuff like that. Well, the website address is eshemusic.com. That's E-C-H-E music.com. I'm on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, just look up Eshe Music. And, um, you know, and, well, and I guess you can look me up as well, Simone Henry. Um, and, you know, I post, I post uh, inspirational quotes. I post um, indie artist tips every day um, just to give you, just to give little nuggets. Of, of things and ideas that you can do to just to make your artist experience better. So 
that's that's what I do, <laughs> and that's how you can contact me. Sounds good. Well, thank you again for being with us on the show today, Simone. Um, like she said, I mean, this is a big deal for you all that are listening today that are independent artists who uh, need to be trained on your craft or, you know, polished in what you do and also want a community and also want to be able to get to uh, network with other people that are out there. This is a great way to do it. So uh, make sure you get in touch with Simone and uh, and get on that site, shamusic.com. Again, it's E-C-H-E music.com and, um, and, and get connected today. Simone, thank you again for being with me. Most people know we are living in what are called the last days, but most people do not know that the last days have been here since the time when the first apostles were alive. Jesus said that in the last days, false prophets would arise and show great signs and wonders to the point that, if possible, they shall deceive the very elect. This tells me that we must be on guard and know what we are up against. If Jesus made this a priority to speak on that subject, it must be very important for us to know what our enemy is up to. And that is why I wrote my book. My name is Norman Brown and I am the author of Among the Wolves. The reason I wrote this book is because I was one of those people who was very close to a false prophet. And I witnessed firsthand the dealings of a false prophet for seven years of my life. After seven years of going through this stage of my walk with Christ, the Lord finally revealed to me what it was that was happening right under my nose. And it was on that day that I started down a road of recovery from hurt, betrayal, bitterness, anger at God, and unforgiveness toward the man whom I once called my spiritual father. Many people are dealing with the same church hurt that I went through, and it is tearing lives apart because many have discovered that their walk was wrapped up in a man and not in God. And now they are going through a process of healing from that pain they endured, from the abuse of their trust, their heart to serve, and desire to expand the reach of God's kingdom. If you have experienced this type of hurt, if you have witnessed deception in the church, on TV, on YouTube, on podcast, or on radio, and see how it affects people, then this is a book that you should read. To get your free copy of my book, simply subscribe to the new NUMA Godcast email list by emailing new.numa.podcast at gmail.com. Email us today for your free copy. God bless.